of introduction tonight. First, want to say is that uh, uh, this is a very this is always a very special thing, especially as we celebrate the resurrected Savior. The resurrection was just as important as the death and burial of Christ. So it's very important in our Christianity. But just before we do start, I want you to understand a couple of things. Number one, uh, for the church, you'll be very happy about this. Those restrooms through the double doors, this, we finally got approved on Friday. Okay. And uh, so uh, enough arms got twisted that uh, uh, things happened. So I praise the Lord for that. And I appreciate that so very much. But um, tonight, if you have a restroom need and you're visiting, uh, these double doors right over here in the corner there on my right, or you can go out the back double doors and turn right. But um, uh, there's a bathroom call right now. All right, but uh, if, you'll go, if you'll go right through there, there's a men and a women's right there. And even down that hallway, there's a men and women's if, if you would want to go down to one of those. But also, uh, if you go through those double doors and down that hallway, there's a nursery. And uh, if you have a baby, a baby starts crying, uh, I can understand that. There's two things that you can do. There, in the back, there's a screen in the back foyer so that if you're having a problem with uh, physically and you just need, you don't want to miss the cantata, you can watch it from back there. Or uh, if you have problems that we have with the child, then you can take them down there to the uh, end there. And then the choir will be presenting the cantata here with Drama the Trauma and uh, team as well as the choir. And this is great. It's celebrate our Savior by Ron and Shelley Hamilton. The important thing during a presentation such as this is to understand that the words of every song, the words of each reading are very important for us to grasp. So please listen so closely because it can have an effect on your life. So if you will, listen closely. And let me add one other thing. Please, please, if you have cell phones, uh, uh, put them on silent or whatever it is that you put it on, turn it off. Uh, I left mine up in my office, so I don't worry about it now. Okay, but uh, uh, it's, it, it can be disturbing right in the middle of something for a phone to go off. So if you will, out of respect for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as well as the presentation of the gospel tonight through music and drama, would you please uh, silence your phones and then... Give your full attention up here. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Revelation 5.12 Every blessing that we enjoy in this life and the next is because of Christ. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Colossians 1, 16 through 19. Though we are sinners, we can be cleansed by him. Though we are slaves, we can be freed by him. Though we are nothing and have nothing, 
we can be complete, but only in Christ.
Welcome to our Easter musical, Celebrate Our Savior. We invite you to join with us for a time of remembrance and thanksgiving as we relive the last few days that Christ walked among us here on earth. When Jesus began his public ministry, the common people were eagerly looking for a Messiah, a mighty conquering hero who would break the chains of Roman bondage. So when Jesus arrived in Jerusalem for what we call his triumphal entry, emotions were high and the excitement quickly spread. Scripture describes it this way. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied, wherein never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches of the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in, in the, the highest. highest. Oh, glory. 
Not everyone was thrilled to see Jesus welcomed into the city. In fact, as the crowds of Jerusalem shouted, Hosanna, the Jewish authorities were actually plotting to put Jesus to death. Through lies and deception, the high priest and the temple officials began to sway the crowds to a very different point of view. Before long, the fickle masses were no longer calling, Hosanna in the highest. Now, they were shouting, crucify him. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him, and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and they set upon his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Matthew 27, 33 through 37. Suffering a slow, excruciating death, nailed to a cross, struggling for each breath, forsaken by man, forsaken by God, Jesus died.
Christ, the Son of God, was utterly humiliated, cruelly tortured, and brutally executed. The disciples of Jesus, fearing for their lives, scattered throughout the city and hid. Their Messiah was dead, and so were their hopes and dreams. Everything they believed in was buried in a tomb. Nothing made any sense. Even though Jesus had prophesied that he would rise again after three days, no one seemed to really understand what he meant. Then, on the third day, the impossible happened. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Matthew 28, 2. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun, and they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him, as he said unto you. Mark 16, 2 through 6. As the light began to shine, a tiny glimmer of hope began to kindle in the hearts of the disciples. It was ever so faint at first, clouded by the agony of the cross. But they had seen miracles before, mighty miracles. Could they dare to hope? Could it be that Jesus was alive?
Jesus was alive. The message of his death, burial, and miraculous resurrection would change our world forever. Over the next 40 days, Jesus had sweet times of fellowship and teaching with his disciples. Listen to what he told them. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then, just before he ascended into heaven, Jesus gave this final commission to his followers. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Acts 1.8. These words were not just intended for his disciples those 2,000 years ago. He spoke these words to all of us who follow him. We are his witnesses. We also have received power to tell others the glorious gospel so that whoever believes in him may be ushered into the church of Jesus Christ. We are his people, the church. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 1.3 And our Savior is still building the church today. For he has promised, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Matthew 16.18b Come, if you are part of the body of Christ, let us rise up like a mighty army and be faithful to our great King. He is our Lord. And, and we are his church.
choir for such a wonderful number with the drama team and number in, in message, should I say, the, from the Word of God in music. You know, folks, we see in the gospel presentation tonight, Jesus actually prepared his uh, people at the first, remember at the first song there talking about going in, Bible reading, and there would be a place, and there'd be a room, and you know, Jesus, a lot of times what we forget is that he was crucified on Passover. He was the Passover lamb. The, uh, John the Baptist, he saw him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus told his disciples before they would go, but there was another thing that happened even before that. The choir's last song, We Are the Church. That's not speaking about this building and, and a membership within a building of a church. But rather, being part of his children. For as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The word church means called out assembly. God called us out of this world to assemble at his feet and one day go home to be with him. But for us to be able to do that, there had to be a price paid. And that was the price for our sin. For the wages of sin is death. You've heard me say it many times. The word death does not mean ceasing to exist. It never did mean that. It means separation. When your body dies, your spirit separates from your body. But it continues to live somewhere. But without Jesus Christ, without your sins paid for, they will go, that spirit will go to be forever separated from God in that place called hell. But because Jesus said, I am he that was alive and am dead, and behold, am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of hell and of death. Jesus was God in heaven from eternity past. He became a man. He was born that babe in Bethlehem. And then he was raised by the father's appointment of Mary and Joseph. And then a mirthly, uh, an earthly ministry began. And in that earthly ministry, as the time drew near that Jesus and his apostles would walk off towards Jerusalem. He told them about the cross. He told them what was going to happen. He was preparing them for what in their eyes would be the very worst of all things. 
But then he said, because Jesus is also the rock. And upon this rock I will build my church. What I want you to understand is that Jesus Christ, that day, was the one that actually founded the local church. But it was to be built upon Jesus Christ. His death, His burial, and His resurrection. As a matter of fact, here at Central Baptist Church, you'll hear me say during invitation time, our requirement for church membership is that you've been saved and you were baptized by immersion after your salvation because just as they read, go ye therefore into all the world, teaching the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That was his promise. He's taken off to that terrible group of men. And they hold a council. And they say he's guilty and we need to send him to Pilate to be crucified. And they send him to Pilate. And as they so well read and sang up here, yes, he was cruelly treated, whipped with the Roman cat of nine tails, bleeding, taken to a cross. And all those prophecies that had been written hundreds to thousands of years before about him would come true with the crucifixion. And then they crucified him. He died on that cross, but he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And God the Son, he who had existed from eternity past, he who was in the world and, was, and the world was made by him, but the world knew him not, still came because he loved this world. He loved the people. And he wanted to save their soul from sin. From sin's power, from sin's consequence. And that day he paid the penalty. He was buried. But three days later, he rose from the dead. Victorious over hell and the grave. That's why he has the keys of hell and of death. And he commanded us to go out and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, he said to tell them, Christ died for them, buried and rose from the dead, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. That's where the local church comes in. We teach God's Word, not our philosophy. God's Word. But God's Word tells us this. In Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The glory of God is Jesus Christ. The word sin means to miss the mark, 
The righteousness of Christ was the mark. All of us come short of that. And so Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages, wages, what we've earned, what we have coming to us, the wages of sin, something we've all done. He didn't say the wages, well, great big sin, boy, uh, adultery, uh, homosexuality, murder, thievery, lying. No, he said for the wages of sin. That's any sin. I mean, Adam and Eve were told not to eat the fruit of a tree, and they ate of it. And so what do we read in Romans 5, 12? Wherefore, by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death has passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That's just like the little child. You have a candy bowl out there, and you say, Now don't get any candy before supper. And he sneaks and gets that piece of candy. Well, you may punish him. You may send him to his room. You may hit his hand. You may spank him. You may, whatever you may do. You don't kill him. But an all-holy God and an all-holy heaven making this earth made it and set man here and for the wages of sin was death. The sin, just like taking that piece of candy from the candy bowl. Therefore, sin is pa- uh, therefore death is passed upon all men, for all have sinned. We inherited a sin nature from them. All of us have sinned. For the wages, what we've earned of sin is death. Final, complete separation forever from God in that eternal lake of fire. But the gift, not what we earn, not what we deserve, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Think of that. It's a gift. Eternal life. But how do we come to that eternal life? In Romans 10, 9, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth The Lord Jesus, Lord, speaking of his deity, Jesus speaking of his humanity, the humanity that died and paid the penalty for all your sin for all time on the cross. As 1 John 2, 2 calls it, the propitiation, the entire payment for all time for our sin. For For our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world so that anybody could be saved. He said, I've done very badly. I've done some terrible things, awful things. You may have done things that even the countries, the governments would put you to death for. But Jesus died in your place, my place. And so that thou shalt confess thy mouth, the Lord, his deity, he was God in heaven, who left there to take on humanity, that he might be a sacrifice for our sin. The Lord Jesus, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
And the next verse says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. Then verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But my friend, it's a heart belief. Not just a serious head belief. It's a heart belief. Many times reading the scripture about the heart, and it's speaking of our very life. Sometimes people want to call it our, our, our emotions or something of that nature, but actually, it's speaking of our very life. For an example, I can believe something very seriously and yet not believe it with my heart because with my heart I'm going to trust it with my life. I've used this illustration many times. But as you drive down the highway and you head towards Orlando on the Ronald Reagan Parkway, you can look over to the right as you're nearing into Orlando and you can see two large hotels. I imagine they're across the street from each other, but they look about the same size. I don't know what the height of them are. But let's just for illustration's sake say that they're 20 feet high, or 200 feet high. 20 stories. 20 stories high. And here's a rope tied at the top of one, and it goes all the way over to the top of another. The other building. And there's a man that gets up there. He has a lapel mic such as what I have, but he has a lapel mic up there. And people are standing down there, and he takes off a cross. Boy, he walks across there, makes the other side, doesn't stumble, slip, or fall, doesn't even start to. People are looking up and looking down. Boy, no net. If he falls, it's, he, it's all over. They look up, and they see him there. They think, that guy's crazy. But that's not as crazy as coming here to die for people that did not love you, broke every commandment you ever gave, and broke everything that you ever did for them, as Jesus did. But for illustration, he gets to this side back, and then he takes off, and he runs across. Gets to the other side. People say, wow, that's something. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I wouldn't die for people I, that hate me. Just like Jesus died for people that hate God. But he did it. And then he has a blindfold put on. Comes right across again. Doesn't stumble, slip, or fall. Gets to the other side. And now there's a crowd of people down there. They're looking up. They're saying, wow, this guy's good. Then he begins to do all kinds of tricks. He does somersaults. He, he goes back and forth, rides a bicycle across there. I mean, can you imagine riding a bicycle across there? And he gets to the other side. People are saying, this guy is something. And then he has 300 pounds of weight lifted up. And they put it on his shoulders. And down there they said, why would he do that? But he goes across, makes it to the other side. 
And people down there are just clapping, saying, wow, that's tremendous. And so he has his microphone on. He says, all right, how many of you down there believe I could carry a human being across your my back? Everybody says, oh, man, we've just seen you do that. I, yeah, he can do it. There's no doubt in my mind he can do that because he has gone across there, all that weight, everything else that he's done. Oh, that's tremendous. Yeah, he can do it. And so he sees us down there, and we got our hands up, and he sees you with your hand up, and he says, all right, you, come on up, and I'm going to carry you across to my back. And you look up. Nothing but concrete down there. And you say, uh, no way. He says, well, wait a minute. You said you believed I could carry you across to my back. And you might say something like this, well, yes, sir, I believe that, but I'm not going to trust you with my life. See, that's a heart belief, even though seriously in your head you believe that he can do it. But let's just change that scenario just a little bit. He's on top of that building, 20 stories high. Every room underneath him is on fire. Smoke is billowing out. The smoke is so bad that a helicopter can't get in there to rescue Fire truck, uh, truck ladders won't reach. And you're up there. You're on that roof. But there's that rope that's going from one side to the other side, the building that's not on fire, the place that is the place of safety and deliverance. Where you can walk back down those stairs or ride down this elevator or whatever to safety. And he says to you, would you like me to carry a cross there on my back? Oh, yes. If you don't, I'm dead. I'm, I'm, I'm forever dead. I, that's, that's it for me. It's all over. He said, okay, I'll take you across. Are you willing to trust me? Oh, yes, I've seen, I know what you can do. So, yes, I'm willing to trust you. He says, now, how can I help you? Just get on my back. Well, well what do you want me to do? Is there a certain way you want me to hold my hands? You want me to hold my legs? You want me to walk right behind you and just step in every... No. Just let me carry you over. You get on his back and he takes you all the way over to the other side. And now you're in the place of safety. You're saved from certain doom. Jesus rose up from the dead. He proved he has the keys of hell and of death. He proved he could save. He could prove just by creating the heavens and the earth his great power. And see, instead of you helping him, getting good enough for him to save you, just say, okay, now, Lord, if I really try this, if I do this, do that, you'll save me, won't you? If I do the best I can, and boy, I start tithing, and I start going to church regularly, you'll, you'll take me to heaven, won't you? No. What you've got to admit is that you're a sinner, and you can't save yourself, and you deserve to go to hell. But believing that I died for you and paid the penalty for every sin you ever have or ever will commit, believing that I did that for you, you received me into your heart and life as your Lord and Savior. You know, it's very interesting to me 
that Ephesians chapter 5, so many pastors, even I have done this, is to preach about the relationship between the husband and wife in the home. Wives, obey your husbands even as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives even as the Lord uh, loved the church and gave himself for it. As he goes on, we preach about that, all the things in that chapter, but then you get down to verse 32 of Ephesians 5, and he says, uh, I speak about Christ and the church, or Christ and the saved. See, we have the position the bride would have in that. He is the head, but he loves us more than anybody could love us. He loves us more than we love ourselves. But just like in a marriage, you turn from that one, you turn from that one, you turn from that one, and you're turning to Him. And Him alone as your Savior. Him alone as your eternity. And He said that if you come to Him in John six thirty seven. He will in no wise cast you out. So what must you do? You must believe that Jesus did indeed, in fact, die on the cross for every sin you ever have or ever will commit. And that three days later, he rose up victorious over hell and the grave. And knowing that he did that, and believing he did that for you, and taking him at his word, for as many as received him to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Believing that, he says, if you'll call upon him to save you, he will. And so by faith, you're taking him at his word and God doesn't lie. And just like in a wedding ceremony, they each give their vow to the other. The Lord has already given you his word. But now it's time for you to come and give him your word and receive Him as your Lord and Savior. And so what must you do? Believe that He died for you, rose from the dead, and call upon Him to save your soul. You may not be sure if you died today that heaven's your home, but let me ask you this question as we start drawing to a close. Do you believe that Jesus died for you? Do you believe that God would lie? Do you believe that his Bible that he's preserved is wrong? That it's full of lies? Oh, no, God doesn't lie to us. Does he keep his word? Oh, yes, he'll keep his word. So believing that, knowing that, you turn to him, asking him to save you, and he will. What I'm going to do is form a prayer. The prayer that I pray would only be words if you did not mean it. But if you mean it, I want you to pray this prayer. So I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads. Close your eyes. 
I'm going to pray this prayer loud. Pray this prayer loud, asking the Lord for salvation. If you're not sure you're saved, then I want you to pray this prayer silently in your seat. So pray this prayer if you're not sure you're saved. If you're not sure if you died today that heaven would be home, your home, then pray this prayer. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And that without salvation, I'm going to hell. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for all my sin. And that three days later, he rose up bodily from the grave. I right now receive Jesus Christ into my heart, to my life, as my Lord, as my God, as my Savior. Save me right now. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name.